<laughs> yeah. Hey. Hey. Well. Yeah. Goonies never say die. You know what time it is. We got horse suspense. Listen, Kevin Trap digging in the bin. Dirty dancing in Encino, man. Never know what you'll find in Uncle Doug's bin. What's in the bin? Yeah, Uncle Doug's bin. He's got all these clicks from way back when. Marty McFly in the DeLorean. Gotta love the Cajun, whatever he's in. Face off steak, guys, you know it's a win. What's in the bin? Yeah, Uncle Doug's bin. What's in the bin? Yeah, Uncle Doug's bin. What's in the bin? Yeah, Uncle Doug's bin. What's in the bin? Yeah, let's begin. Welcome to Uncle Doug's DVD Bin, the podcast where we take your favorite movies, give you some facts, tell you the plot, and there might even be a few jokes along the way. I'm your host, Kevin. And good day, mate. I'm your other host, Travis. Oh, you're just going to jump right in with that Australian accent. Brag. (laughs) It's in my bones, man. It's in my bones. Can't shake it. You, I know, but it feels like you're rubbing in the fact that I can't do an Australian accent, and it's sort of. I mean, I, I think you're starting season two off here a little, a little rough, Trav. You're kind of making me feel bad about my lack of Australian accent skills. Your Australian accent is just accent of white man that does not live in U.S. <laughs> Hold on, let me try. Let me. Try, I'm going to try it. Okay, you ready? What What would be a really Australian phrase I could say? Uh, put another shrimp on the Barbie. All right, I got this. Put another shrimp on the Barbie. Mike, how was yeah. that? Is that pretty good? Um, that might be like the maybe the northeastern part of Australia. Maybe <laughs> might be their dialect up there. I give you a pass on that. I'm no expert. Oh man, you know what? Hey, welcome back, listeners. Season two, Uncle Doug's DVD Ben. We made it. We made it through a season. We got some bonus episodes in there, and here we are kicking off season two with an absolute classic. In the world of Australian comedy, all right. I mean, that I mean that is a huge, a huge subset of films. We all know that, right? But the king of all Australian comedy, Crocodile Dundee. I think so. I can't argue with that. This movie reminds me a lot of my dad too, because my dad was huge into this movie. Oh, I think everybody's dad was into this movie, and I think that. I know at least mine was, and it's because Crocodile Dundee is the man that we all want to be. You know, we all want to mm. be able to like go out into the wilderness and take care of ourselves and fight crocodiles and make friends with everybody and be smooth and charismatic. But we're just not, Trav. We're just not. And that's why we get a little bit of uh, joy from watching a film like Crocodile Dundee. I think so. I know that's what my dad was channeling. He was like, you know... I really just want to wear a goofy hat, wear something that I kill, and sound awesome instead of just being drunk all day. And I'm like, Dad, I agree. That would be great if you just turned the corner and became Crocodile Dundee out of nowhere and took me to t-ball practice. That'd be amazing. Yeah, Dad, you can wear whatever you want. Just make sure I get to t-ball practice on time. Let me. I do have a question about that. Not about your childhood, Trav. I've heard enough. Oh, please. But um, yeah. uh, although I will I will be willing to entertain a $75 an hour fee to listen to you talk about your childhood if you're interested. But we can do that off the air. <laughs> it's fine. 
Um, there's not a copay deal. I got to pay the whole deal, the whole thing. No, I mean you could get somebody to help you pay for it and call it a copay if mm. you want. That would be fine. I mean, I you know whatever you want to nice. do, but thought but, maybe you took Anthem or something. Okay. <laughs> but here's my question. All right, I'm I'm on the precipice of forty. Right here, I am. I stand. It 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 it, sta- it sits before me like the great chasm of the rest of my life, and I feel like I need a change. What if I just my new thing is I dress like Crocodile Dundee. Like, what if I just... How do you think people would respond if I just started wearing a snakeskin vest, a cool a cool hat with, like, crocodile teeth in it, you know, big Bowie knife, just walking around, living my life? Do you think people would be like, oh, man, Kev's looking cool? You know, Kev, for most people, I would say that's a leap. <laughs> but for you, I don't know that it, I would just be like, oh... This is just Kev when he's not at work. This is Saturday Kev I'm seeing right now. <laughs> well, like, I guess my question is, should I do it all at once or maybe, like, one thing at a time? Like, I start with the little, like, arm bracelet thing he wears, and then, you know, a couple yeah. weeks later, I integrate the vest, and then I start hiking my pants up higher and higher and higher. Because Crocodile Dundee, let me tell you, my boy Mick, he wears his pants in his armpits. A hundred percent of the he, time. Yeah, fun fact. I know you dropped a lot of movie tri- movie trivia while we were watching this, oh, yeah. but he did invent the mom jean, <laughs> the mom jeans. That was uh, <laughs> that came out of this movie as well. Um, I think you know, uh, gradual is probably the way to go. Mm. Otherwise, people are going to think that you're just late for Halloween and won't give it up. Oh. So I think you do have to do gradual because that, that that kind of makes it a lifestyle. Right. Otherwise, it's a costume that you just won't take off. It, you're right. It, it, I do want to make it a lifestyle. Like, I don't want to be some Crocodile Dundee poser. I want to be, like, the real deal. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I guess that means I need to go to Australia and kill my own crocodile and skin it for my clothes. And, I mean, that's I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to I'm willing to commit to it. All right? You've heard it here on Uncle Doug's DVD bin. I'm willing to commit to um, just, just killing an animal for no reason other than fashion. I was going to say, I, I thought, and I thought you were vegan. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Did Fine. you think I was vegan because I talk about being vegan all the time? Is that what it is? <laughs> that was my first clue. <laughs> not a bad one. Not a bad one. Well, man, I am so excited to be back. Season two with you, Trav. We've got some great plans. Uh, we want to do some fun stuff this season. So we hope everybody keeps listening and keeps enjoying. Just like people keep enjoying the classic film Crocodile Dundee. Released on September 26th of 1986. Wow, it doesn't feel like that long ago, but I guess it is. Directed by Peter Feynman. Written by Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee himself, Ken Shady, John Cornell. Starring, of course, Crocodile Dundee himself, Paul Hogan, Linda Kozwalski. And did you know that Linda Kozwalski married Paul Hogan after this film? I- I thought Linda Kozlowski married him. You're telling me it was Linda Kozlowski? <laughs> Is it Kozlowski or Kozlowski? <laughs> I think it's phonetically. I think it's Kozlowski. Wait, did you say medically? Phonetically. Phonetically. Okay, and all right. For a second, I thought you also said Also, technically, medically, I think. It's on her records, the same name. Anyway, yeah. But yeah, they, they so actually- So I had to bust your balls. No, man, Mike. that's fine, man. I appreciate a little bit of it. And I appreciate that, you know, I want to say the name right. I, I do- I do barrel ahead when I'm saying names that I don't know, like I know that I'm saying them right. It's, and, and I have some anxiety around it, so I'm really glad that you brought that up, Trav. I appreciate that, bud. Sure, sure. 
Yeah. You son of a biscuit. This is the kind of <laughs> kind of fun that you can expect with season two. Trav and I just insulting the way each other says names. I think that that's where we're... <laughs> that's okay. <sighs> I gotta be honest. I was a little hesitant when we pulled this movie out of the bin to see what Uncle Doug thought of it. I just wasn't sure, you know, coming into season two, where he would be, both emotionally, physically sometimes. You know, Uncle Doug's not a young guy anymore, <laughs> but... He was very excited about this movie, and I think I think he knows it's because him and uh, Paul Hogan are the only two people on Earth that look good wearing just a snakeskin vest. That is a really oh, Kev, I'm so glad you made that's such a good point because he has the snakeskin vest. He wears it often, maybe a little too often. I know they won't let him in the post office anymore unless he has something on under it. <laughs> so I think that that's yeah, you're right. That's so interesting. But yeah, he does love this movie. Yeah. Our boy, Uncle Doug, he will be seen either wearing a snakeskin vest or a Shane t-shirt. One or the other. Never anything else. Yeah. Sometimes at the same time. Again, when he goes to the post office, they will make him wear a shirt under the vest. Which I feel like that's an infringement. I feel like that's an infringement on Doug's uh, expression. Culture. And his culture. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But he's he's actually screamed that at the police. That's how I knew what you were about to say. <laughs> oh yeah, you've heard it before too. Yeah. How many times has he called you for bail? By the way, I'm at four now. I'm. We're tied. No kidding. Yeah, four piece. Yep. You know what though? Investing in Doug's bail bond is. I mean, it's just that it's an investment, and you know it's going to pay off at some point in the future. It might turn into a podcast. <laughs> I think it already has, Trav. I think it already <laughs> has, bud. Well, you know one thing that uh, came out in season one that I really love is the way that you bring that six degrees of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in, the way you connect movie to movie. Now, you're having to bridge two whole seasons here, Trav. All right, The end of season one, which was Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse, to the opening of season two, which is Paul Hogan in Crocodile Dundee. Now, how on earth can you find the common actors between these two films? I mean, it's got to be hard, right? Like, you probably stayed up nights doing it. You're right. Uh, I had stacks of notebooks. You remember that part in Seven when they when you realized that uh, <laughs> Spacey's character just has tons of cryptic notebooks mm-hmm. written with the exact same handwriting for, for just uh, tons and tons of, of sheets of paper? Uh-huh. Same thing here, but I finally figured it out. So Patrick Swayze, obviously in Roadhouse. He was. Now here's fun. Here's a fun thing that I wasn't really aware of. Uh, he was a voice in The Fox and the Hound 2. What? Apparently, okay. if the internet don't lie, Kip. No, it never does. With with Stephen Root. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Root, one of my favorite actors. He's the sta- my stapler in uh, Office Space. He's right. the voice of, uh, of Bill on uh, King of the Hill. Love Stephen Root. I think he was uh, on uh, Stephen- True Blood, too, actually. Who's fun on there? Yeah, might have been. Yeah, he's he's in a lot of places. That's Stephen Root, and uh, and Stephen Root was also in uh, Crocodile Dundee too, the sequel to today's movie with Paul Hogan. What? So it all hinges on Stephen Root. What? Hold on, hold on. You did that in what? One actor, one mm-hmm. actor. Tons of notebooks, dude. The little black and white ones. I got tons of them. Suitcase full. You know what? That's. I mean, that's impressive. I, I, I want to be mad. Like, I wanted it to be harder. Like, I wanted you to have to sweat a little bit. But, I mean, I guess if you've put all that time into those notebooks, then, yeah, I guess that's all right. I guess that's, it could I guess be that's tricky. what I signed up for. <laughs> it could be tricky to get from 
from Crocodile Dundee and Paul Hogan to like other movies. I'm I'm excited to see how that goes. It might all hinge on Carl Winslow though. We'll see. Oh man. I first of all, shout out to our boy Harvest Black. Uh I know he listens mm-hmm. to the pod. Not only did he do an amazing uh song for us as our intro but he also uh teases his father and calls his dad carl winslow all the time and every time he does it makes me laugh i i love it and yes the actor that played carl winslow is also in crocodile dundee and that is reginald vel johnson all right look i just said it i just said it like i knew what i was talking about i think i got the name so proud of you thanks man that's very good (laughs) which i uh really enjoy his performances he's also in die hard you remember from die hard yeah, 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 I do. Did he play a chauffeur in Die Hard too? Now that I'm not Die Hard the sequel, but I mean in Die Hard as well. Uh, I feel like yeah. I no, mean, I can just no, no, no. He was that, a police officer. You might have implanted that. No, that's no, right. You're I, right. I just, but he's always like a, he's always wearing a uniform. Yeah, whatever he's in, he does. He does cut a nice figure in a uniform. He is a handsome mm-hmm. man in a uniform. I will tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Speaking of things, I'll tell you. People love this movie. People hate this movie. And some people are like, eh, it's all right. And Trav, you go out there. You brave the wilds of the internet to bring us the best, the curated reviews of Letterboxd and other various websites that you may visit. Have you have you been able to, and were you willing to do that for The Crocodile Dundee? Oh, man, it's my favorite. I love this more than watching the movie with you. Don't take offense to that. I'm offended. This is my favorite. I'm offended okay, right good. now. I'm, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said I it. Just, did you see I, I have... dropped my pencil? I was that. I'm going to hold on. Let me just. I got to get some mic sound so people know I dropped my pencil. Hold on. Is that taken up? Yeah. You're really doing a number with that. I was, yeah. At that point, I was just slamming it on the notepad, but I'm <laughs> I'm very upset. That was all gravity. No, I know. Uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, pulled out a few and we had toyed a little bit with how we might format these in the show. We thought, you know, maybe we save some for after the synopsis to kind of a, a look back to see how people felt. Didn't put enough thought into that. We're going to run through them all right now. Okay. The first one, uh, for people, just letting people know that we gave it thought. We're not going to do that thought. We also might just change to, things. We, we don't care. Trav, we're wild you over here. You never know. You know, dude, we, you never, we, this is lawless land. It's not like uncle Doug tells us what we have to do. So, people who love it. We got five stars. This is by Trash for Cash. <laughs> okay, somebody with a lot of respect for themselves. This is on May 11, 2022. They say, timeless fish out of water comedy. Check your pulse if the ending doesn't make you jump for joy. Well, were, and, uh, were you jumping for joy, Trav? I was going to say, I, I, and Kevin, I, I, I knew that this review was coming. I stared at you throughout the whole ending. You didn't flinch. Well, it's so, because I'm cold and dead inside and don't believe in love, Trav. That's why I didn't. I mean, it's not that the scene, the end of the movie's not good. I was just like, none of this would happen. None of it would happen. It's all meaningless. Right, right. <laughs> no, I'm with you on that. Uh, the next one, people <laughs> You're just going to let that it. go? I mean, come on, man. I'm trying to you know, I'm trying to open up here, Trav. I'm trying to give you a little little therapy session right back. You know, you talk about your dad. Just a, li- I talk about just the a little sidestep I did there. I did a little Barry Sanders. I said, whoop, and I went right past it. Really Back into these reviews. This one's from Adam S. Goldberg, who seems like they, you know, they use their whole full name on here. They want to be known. Oh, yeah. January 29, 2022, five stars. I have more than a childhood fondness for this movie and Paul Hogan. What six year old wouldn't want to be a leathery Australian? Mm. Mm. Truer words have never been spoken. I 
loved this movie when I was a kid. I, I, and I'll get into this when we talk about it, but I wanted to be uh, an Australian living in the outback. So I spent a lot of time in the woods behind my house thinking I was Australian. Like I had a little like Swiss That's Army pocket knife. and a, Yeah, it's outback behind the house. It's outback behind the house, mm-hmm. y'all. And I would try to make little like bushcraft things. And I was a sad child, Trav, is all I'm trying to tell you. You were but, gluing your pubes together, Kevin. That's not bushcraft. <laughs> it is if you use Elmer's fool. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, what's interesting about these five star reviews is that none of them really talk about the movie. They're just like, they're just like n- super neat stuff. Five stars, like not a lot of, not a lot to go on there. It's people that love to share the love, but we got people that are meh. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. tons of people out there are meh about everything. These people specifically for Crocodile Dundee, we got a three oh, and a half star by Eric Hatch. This is back in February of 2018. Says, I concede that your knife is larger, but questioning the knifeness of mine subverts our shared construct of reality. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Eric Hatch. Man. Yeah. You know what? And that was back when, when was that review? 2018? It, it, he had no idea. He had no idea how reality was going to change. I don't even think we have the same construct of reality anymore. I mean, I think no, I think the uh, knife question is just irrelevant, Eric. Yeah. yeah, I'll say he gave the movie three and a half stars, but that was a five star review, in my opinion. It really was. And then man. we have another another person just kind of middle of the road on it. Turbo Mancer. This is back in 2020. Three stars. Your basic 80s romantic comedy tropes combined with a dashing foreigner from down under. It's nothing special, but fairly well produced compared to some other 80s crap. If it wasn't for Crocodile Dundee, we wouldn't have... We would haven't... Okay, there's a reason I can't read this. If it wasn't for Crocodile Dundee, we would haven't Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm good at reading these. No, you really. You, you messed it up, Turbo Mancer. We, he meant we wouldn't have, but he says we would haven't. We would haven't an Outback Steakhouse. Do you think he's he's right about that? I mean, I feel like the Bloomin' Onion crosses all cultural boundaries, and we would have had it regardless of whether Crocodile Dundee had been made or not. You're right. I mean, it didn't. It, to me, if it if it didn't happen in a Crocodile Dundee movie, it's probably not in. The Outback Steakhouse, right? It, like, I mean, if it wasn't for Outback Steak, and this is this is my, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a hypothesis out, a, a hypothesis out here at you, Trav. You're a science guy. Um, yeah, I would say that Outback Steakhouse would happen regardless because there's always gonna be a need for a place for middle aged secretaries to eat, and that <laughs> is the impetus yeah. for Outback Steakhouse existing on this plane of reality. Yeah, that's. That's where I always go when I want to be secretarial. I go there. <laughs> Best apps in it's the business. It's a good observation. Best apps. It's a good observation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that Bloomin' Onion. All right. Now, people that are low wanted, who hates this movie? They're bound to be out there. Well, they sure are. They sure are. We got a half star from Frog Films. This comes uh, 11-11-2021. No, I'm sorry. October 11-2021. Mm-hmm. This movie sucks ass. Would never willingly watch again. Parenthetical. However, if Crocodile Dundee's hot girlfriend is reading this, I take it all back. Oh. That's Crocodile Dundee's hot ex-wife at this point. By the way, Trav, I hate to hate to bring you down, but they got divorced back in 2014. What? Him and Linda. Ka- yeah. Kuz- Kuzklowski, Kuzklowski and, and Hogan? Yep. They sure did. 
I was kind of bummed and out. Hulk Hogan. They got a cute kid though. He's like uh, he's in his twenties now. I think his name's like Chance or Skippy or something like that. He's still cute. Yeah. Chance Skippy's still cute. I just want you to know, I save all the TMZ articles about Paul Hogan. That's how I know about their marriage. Interesting. A bet thing about you. Mm-hmm. All right, we got another half star. This is from Waterworld Two. Clearly based on that name. Great taste in film. Uh, from October seven. 2021. This comes four days before Frog Films. Mm -hmm. This is a bit longer. Everybody buckle in, okay? This movie has a lot to answer for, and along with Steve Crocodile Hunter, Irwin basically set back the development of Australia as a country by 50 years. Not sure any Australians actually like this shit film. It trades in exotic otherings and racist pandering. It's unfunny as well as stupid. And Paul Hogan is gross as it gets. Also, no one here drinks Forster's beer. There are no anniversaries for this film. No love. It deserves to be hated. Wow. Wow. Okay. That's a lot. They don't to drink Forsters. Yeah, nobody drinks Forsters. They probably drink Fosters, maybe. Right? You think this, they're this Waterworld too? Jeez, I, man. I read them as I see them, Kev. That was a Forsters beer, and they also said exotic otherings. Never heard that in my life. Yeah, that is kind of weird. That's a weird phrasing. I mean, I kind of get what they're saying. Like, I've heard the the phrase like othering or other, and there are there is definitely some like racist stuff in here, and some um, racist by today Sanders. I mean, I can't I can't comment on like nineteen eighties you know racism because I was you know just a kid, but uh, it by today's standards definitely racist and definitely some transphobic stuff in there too. Yeah, it gets uncomfortable in parts. Not all of this movie aged well yeah you and i both were kind of doing that like cringe face where we're like ow, oh, i don't like it yeah yeah it's too bad uh but at the same time there are parts of it where i was actually surprised it made me laugh because i was prepared yeah. to cringe the whole movie but it surprised me a couple times yeah there's some there's some fun stuff in here there's some jokes that still hold up there's some scenes that are completely pointless but there's a whole lot of nostalgia with this film well Trav, what do you think man i think we're ready to maybe jump in here and and start covering this plot i'm kind of excited about it all right then i might want you to get on in and get it in you okay i'm less excited now you bragging with your australian accent oh oh dear <laughs> Well, now this movie uh, is going to open up on uh, a scene over the telephone. You've got the big time newspaper office back in New York City, and you've got Sue, who's in Australia. Yeah, in Australia. All right. And I just want to point out that um, the bridge in the background. This is a cool tidbit from the movie. The bridge in the background that you see in the uh, in the um, in the opening shot with suit, you know, in in the Australian hotel talking. Paul Hogan actually uh, worked on that bridge. He was a uh, a laborer and uh, like kind of worked on that bridge before he got into acting and comedy and, and all the things that he did later in his life. So I just think that's a neat little nod to his more uh, rough and tumble past. Don't you think, Trav? Yeah, I mean, working out in the sun on that bridge is what made him leathery for this role. <laughs> he needed that bridge. Exactly. I think they call I think the 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 term for what his job was was rigor. I could be wrong. Um, so if you're a bridge person out there and you uh, do a lot of bridge maintenance, repair, and uh, design, then uh, by all means, correct me. Uh, 
preferably publicly somewhere. That'd be great. <laughs> I would love it. Um, the so, whole bridge rigger union is going to be calling in the show. <laughs> That's right. They're not going to be happy with me at all. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Sue is in Australia, and she starts uh, telling the newspaper editor, who is also her boyfriend, all right, her little her, her boyfriend, we find that out later, and there's a little bit of like romancing on the phone in this scene uh, that she has heard about this guy, Mick Dundee, who survived a crocodile attack out in the wilderness and came back and survived, and she wants to go interview this guy and maybe see where the whole thing went down, and he says, I mean, all right, I guess that's cool. Yeah, sure, that <laughs> seems awesome. Yeah. <laughs> You're as as enthusiastic as he was as an editor. You can tell that this was definitely back in the day because the newspaper actually had money to do stuff. You know, they could right. send people to other countries and and put people up in hotels and you just you know, newspapers they just don't have that kind of money anymore. No, they sure don't. I haven't read a I don't even I don't think I've seen a newspaper in like 4 years. Did they go out with the pandemic? <laughs> well, no. I mean, we have to have something to wrap fish in, right? Ah. God, that was a that was a dad joke. That was a dad joke and a half. It's de- it's a decent dad joke today because there are some fishing references. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, Kev. I'm going to give you a pass on it. I thought that's where you're. I thought you were segueing. Well, you know, I was trying to lure you in with those fishing references. God, dang it! <laughs> you know. All right. Anyway, sorry, Trav. I just had to get a pun in there. Now, uh, scene. You have this scene where uh, Sue is heading into the the, the more uh, rural area of Australia on a helicopter, and that's when the credits roll. And I have a question: Is there a part of Australia that's not rural? Yeah, like Sydney, right? They got the one. They got the Melbourne. Oh, that one. We got the other city. You know, they got a couple of cities there. Ah, you know, Canberra. Wait, what's the other one? Canberra. Oh, all right. Are you? I don't. I, those uh, Sydney and Melbourne are the only two Australian cities I know. So you could just be making up. That names. might be the only two, actually. I might be thinking of something out of a fairy tale novel. Oh, book, I thought you said wheelbarrow at first because you're southern. Wheelbarrow. Yeah, that's isn't that. Is that not? <laughs> maybe, maybe, <sighs> man. You were going to ask me something more important than what I interge- interrupted you with. Nope, that's it. I I was I was going to ask you. All right, so. Uh, in this scene, the helicopter's coming in and the credits are rolling. Did you notice that crocodile was in quotation marks? A crocodile Dundee. The crocodile was in quotation marks. Did you notice that? I didn't, but it makes sense. It is his nickname. It is his nickname, but they did that with intentionality because apparently the movie Alligator had come out a few years before this and people didn't want, uh, the producers didn't want the movie associated with a monster uh, creature feature, so they 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 uh, they wanted to make it clear that that was a nickname for Crocodile Dundee, and and so the the marketing was completely different in Australia to in the U.S. So there you Wild. go. There's a sweet little tidbit for you, my friend. You're just full of them. This we should just rename this Uncle Doug Sweet Little Tidbits. <laughs> I I think we'll get the kind of listeners that maybe we're not looking for. <laughs> <laughs> so um sue flies into the more rural area she meets walter they discuss money of course like hey i need you to take me to see uh to see crocodile dundee mick i'll pay you lots of money to do it so uh he agrees and they head off to uh presumably the town it's a it's a small yeah. little rustic town uh and they head to the local watering hole because if you're gonna find uh, uh a bushman you know somebody that's been out in the wild, he's going to come into town with a with a hankering and a thirst for a for a sweet cold Foster's, isn't he, Trav? 
Forsters, you're right, man. I, I tell you, Walter uh, is an interesting guy. He says that he's he's uh, Crocodile Dundee's or Mix Mick Dundee's business partner. I don't know what business they have. I wasn't real keen on that, and I can't tell if Walter is just really like infatuated with Dundee or uh, kind of knows that he is. A bit full of crap sometimes. I can't really get a good because sometimes he seems really wowed by everything that Crocodile Dundee does, and, and other times he seems very wise to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know just. I, mean? I think that's just Walter's bag, man. I think he's the salesman of the operation. You know, he's a very and he. Uh, if you have not seen this film before, which you probably should watch it if you're going to check this out, but he's a very like dandy gentleman. He's got his like cravat neckerchief on and his like yeah. you know belted uh, explorer outfit. So he's he's he definitely does not go out in the sticks with crocodile. Right, and you refer when we watched this, you called him a dandy bushman, which will, which will in fact be my porn name. <laughs> I'm just disappointed that it's not already, Trav. I'm just disappointed that it's not already. Well, they head to the bar, and uh, there's a whole lot of fun uh, shenanigans that happen in this scene. Uh, there's a there's a scene with a guy named uh, Donk, and Donk puts a beer on his head. If you can punch him or make him spill his beer, otherwise. I don't know, presumably you win. I guess it's an Australian game that I'm not particularly familiar with. Um, just like cricket. And so anyway, uh, well, I guess cricket's... Seems like a waste of beer. Yeah, it really. seems like not a great idea. Um, and then Walter spins a yarn about the story about how Mick was out in the, in the wilderness by himself, injured. And, of course, you gotta have, you gotta have the, the, the ball-busting... Uh, bartender come over and uh, just call you out on your shenanigans. And that happens in this scene. She comes over and she says, Walter, every time you tell that story, it gets a little more ridiculous. A lot of big fish tales. Uh, the locals are wise to it, too. They've heard it one too many times a day. It keeps getting new details added to it. It's like whenever uh, Uncle Duck tells us anything. It's like, Duck, you've told us that story already. And the last time you told it, the, the fish was three inches shorter. But then uh, our guy busts in the room. It doesn't take long for old Crocodile Dundee to bust in. And oh my God, Kev, I think he's got a friggin' crocodile. He does. Was it a crocodile or an alligator in that scene? You think I know the difference? I went through this whole movie pretending I knew the difference. (laughs) Didn't you know I was going to call you out on it? I was like, I'm going to assume everything in this movie is a crocodile. I'm not even going to think about it. I mean, it had a very narrow snout. And I associate narrow snouts with alligators. Is that, am I I off base? I'm the opposite. Oh, it's I'm the, the opposite. opposite. I, I think. Oh, gosh, I thought dang. the alligators were had the big bulbousy noses and the big, I just you know big Florida chomping gator, and then uh, okay. Well, that I think it's rude that you call their their face bulbous, Trab. I think that was really rude of you. It's a sign of alcoholism if you get a bulbous face. <laughs> well, anyway, you're right. Uh, crocodile Dundee comes in with a stuffed crocodile, possibly an alligator, probably a crocodile. They probably did enough research to get a stuffed crocodile for this. Comes I in. Mean, here's another thing too that we haven't yeah. talked about. Paul What's Hogan, up? like uh, you said, like he was like the uh, like one of the writers on this or like producers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he is Australian, so you think he like he wouldn't like misappropriate his own people too bad, right? Like he would get a lot of it right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like for the sake of a joke in a in a comedy movie, he probably would. He probably he probably fudged the numbers a little bit. 
Okay. All right. You know, Crocodile Dundee would too. I'm glad that's like that's a that's his character holding true. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know what, Trev? You are right. The crocodile. Uh, while while you were vamping for me there, which I appreciate, uh, the crocodile yeah. does in fact have the more uh, narrow of the snouts. So I was I was I, I apologize. I apologize to Paul Hogan. I apologize to the props master, the cast and crew of Crocodile Dundee. I'm sure that they were just waiting for me to apologize, weren't they, Trev? But you know my fear of reptiles has resulted in copious <laughs> amounts of research on what could potentially kill me. I know the differences That's between exactly. an alligator and a crocodile, just in case. <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, uh, Croc Dundee comes in, and uh, him and Sue size each other up, and uh, Croc grabs her, and they start doing a little little dancey dance. I'm going to be honest with you. Mick comes across a little too strong, a little too horny in this scene. And just about every other scene from here on out. Just ima- just imagine he's horny the whole movie, and that'll put a lot of this into perspective. It really does. He uh, he does show his alligator wound. Wait a minute. It's a crocodile wound, isn't it, Trav? I was getting ready to call you out again, bud. I'm glad you corrected yourself. <laughs> no, I just I actually should have not corrected myself just to give you that thrill. But um, yeah, he does. <laughs> they do a little dance. Uh, there's a there's a bar fight that or a bar punch, I should say, that happens. He uh, has a guy who calls him a poacher, uh, which it's alluded to that he was actually poaching crocodiles. So I don't I don't know why he was upset yeah. about that. But you know what are you gonna do? He resists that uh, accusation with a really hard wink. Exactly. Like I wasn't poaching crocodiles, super duper wink. I was out there shooting fish with my gun. <laughs> wink. No, you exactly. weren't poaching crocodiles. So he, uh, so he does. He punches the guy that calls him a poacher, and then um, uh, his his boy Donk uh, for the beer game. Instead of uh, punching Donk, he just gives him a big old smoocheroo. Just a big, like I said, crocodile dundee. He'd be horny. <laughs> what was that? Crocodile be horny. No, you're right. He do be horny for that donk. Who doesn't want that donk? Uh, so yeah. So I guess he won the game because Donk did spill his beer uh, when he got kissed on the mouth. So I, I don't know. I, mean, I guess it's he... a win lose for Donk, really. Yeah, because you still get kissed on the mouth by Paul Hogan, and I'm going to tell you right now, wouldn't mind it. So in the next scene, uh, they hop in the SUV and they're headed out to the bush. Now, uh, you get a little bit of uh, Mick Dundee's backstory here. Um, we find out that he was raised by Aborigines. And there's a joke that he doesn't know how old he is. He apparently asked the village elder once. He said, uh, you know, hey, when was I born? And uh, the Aborigine uh, said, in the summer, which wasn't entirely helpful, nor answered his question. But you know sure. what? do you really need to know how old you are? It doesn't really matter. Well, we also yeah. find out Mick. You called it an SUV, but it's like a safari, a safari jeep. But it looks like post Katrina flotsam. <laughs> that's a rough. That's a rough machine. I wouldn't take that very far away from a mechanic. Nah, come on, man. That's the kind of vehicle that would survive the apocalypse. You know why? Because it doesn't have any electronics to be ruined by an EMP. It looks like it already has survived the apocalypse. That's what worries me about it. (laughs) Well, I feel like that's just, you know, that's just hard living. That's just hard living. Sure. It was, I'm going to call you out here, Trav, because you you referred to uh, Paul Hogan and, and, and in some of the reviews either um, that being a leathery person is a good trait. It makes you look tough and weathered. But you're saying it doesn't look good on an SUV, man. I feel like that's a little hypocritical. 
<laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> yeah. I backed myself yeah. into a corner. Yeah. That's right, Trab. Well, anyway, um, so we find out uh, Paul Hogan, uh, his character Mick, was married at one point, and he just he left for like over a year, and so his wife was like, "Oh, I'm out." I guess she found somebody who wouldn't leave her, you know, for a year at a time. Uh, he also hypnotizes a buffalo in this scene. Uh, there's a buffalo, and this was probably Trav. You remember? I spent about ten minutes complain. I had to pause the movie and complain about ten <laughs> minutes about, it. and this is only like fourteen, fifteen <laughs> minutes into the movie, right? Yeah. He hypnotizes this buffalo uh and the buffalo goes to sleep in the road that doesn't help your buffalo problem you still have a buffalo in the road that you have to get around and now it's asleep and it's going to be ornery when it wakes up trav i know man and the thing is like if you could put it to sleep and then drive around it then you could have just driven around it and you wouldn't have had to interact with it at all exactly I just, I feel like, I feel like Crocodile Dundee is just making fun of us here. It's just making fun of us dumb Americans who don't know anything about, um... You're just flexing, just flexing in front of the lady. But, you know, he puts the buffalo to sleep with, like, this weird, like, he goes up to it and does kind of, like, metal horns. Like, he he's rocking out the ACDC and kind of does, like, a little thing and it puts the animal to sleep. He does it a couple times in the movie, oh, I but... thought it was more the, like the Shaw, uh, like, Shaw, hang loose, brah. Oh, like maybe more of a phone, more of a call me, Jack, maybe. But either way, I would do that. Like after I saw this movie as a kid, I would try to do that to our dog. And uh, it work didn't out? work. He, he would just lick my fingers, well, which I mean, was cool. <laughs> it doesn't sound that bad. Like, he doesn't sound like it's it was terrible. Bad. Like if you'd been like, didn't oh, put my him dog pulled out a box cutter and had at me, I'd been like, oh, well, that's bad. But you know, I was like, just... you think that's a knife? That's not a knife. That's a box cutter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Well, next scene, uh, they're heading deeper into the bush. They've gotten rid of the SUV. They're on a on a boat. They're just they're cruising on a boat. Um, uh, poor Sue gets scared by a crocodile. I don't know. I don't feel like there's anything that really matters that happens in this scene. Um, later on, they end up where uh, Mick was attacked by, he says, an 18-foot crocodile. And, again, I think much like Uncle Doug, maybe he adds, you know, another foot to this crocodile mm-hmm. every time he tells the story <laughs> although i will say his old boat was pretty jacked up um of course sue it's calls like, so him out you on... were <laughs> you were attacked by a paleolithic era dinosaur you say <laughs> right it was that mega what you're croc. saying definitely mega croc <laughs> for sure um sue calls him out on maybe having been a poacher she's like well look at these you know uh these 30 out six shells that i just found in your uh your boat you're going to tell me you're fishing? He's like, yeah, the fish out here are real mean and real dangerous. And then he, uh, and then he, uh, sort of con mans her and, uh, starts telling a story about how, uh, you know, crocodiles will take you down for a death roll, you know, to sort of scare her, right? You know, into, into not asking him any more questions about his illicit activities. They'll drag you, they'll roll you, then they'll drag you out to their meat safe. And I, all, I I meant to, but I didn't. I wanted to Google this and see if crocodiles have a meat safe underwater because I want a meat safe in my... If crocodiles have meat safe, I want a meat safe in my house. I can't let all the crocodiles have all the meat safes. Trav, of anybody I know, I figured you would already have a meat safe. <laughs> I have safe meat. I think there's a difference. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, order makes all the difference there, right? Well, they uh, set up camp uh, for the evening. Uh, and they're kind of getting to know each other a little bit. Um, we find out that uh, Crocodile Dundee doesn't really care about anything at all whatsoever. Uh, she's like, what do you no. think about nuclear weapons? He's like, oh, 
And she's like, well, uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, bad things? And he's like, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about this AIDS epidemic? I don't know. Yeah, it's an AIDS epidemic. I don't know. I, guess, I, don't, yeah, know. I, don't, I don't know. It sounds bad. But there is something that happens in this scene, Trav, that I feel like you uh, you really paid attention to. One of our slithery friends, a snake, shows up, doesn't it, Trav? Right, and this is where um, Mick Dundee wins me over. Notoriously afraid of snakes. Now, let me be very clear before I get to the comedy business here. Uh, I don't, I don't want to see an animal get hurt. Okay, I don't. But I got pretty jazzed when he grabs the snake up and just whips it <laughs> and kills it. Because I was like, I wish I possessed that. I wish, I wish I was brave enough. If a snake attacked me while I was just chilling, enjoying myself. I wish I had the kahunas to just grab it with my bare hands and then whip it like Indiana Jones and and get rid of it. I don't have that. I would have ran screaming into the woods into more snakes and died alone. <laughs> Trav, you and I have a different perception of this scene. For me, it's like, all right, Mick Dundee is straight up a murderer. This snake is just like coming over like, hey, guys, what's up? How's it going? You guys doing okay? New to the neighborhood? And no, he's like, gah, gah, he when he just murders this snake for no reason. That snake wasn't coming over to talk about the freaking weather, dude. He wanted he wanted in inside them. He wanted to murder them. But wait, here's the other thing, too. They wait, just hold on. Time out. We're gonna roll that back. Did you say he wanted inside them? You don't snakes will get in your butt if you're <laughs> asleep on the ground. Which is crazy because he's I think we discovered the, why you're so scared of snakes. You don't understand them. You don't understand what snakes do. What? They don't you crawl in your that? butt, Trav. If you're asleep at night on the ground, they will. Look Jesus, it up. Jesus, who Google. told you this about snakes? Uncle Doug. Okay, all right. Well, I'm uh, far be it from me to correct Uncle Doug. I guess I'll just I'll let this one go. You better. But then he proceeds to sleep on the ground, wearing just his hat. She at least has a sleeping bag. Where's the tent? I know a lot about Australia because I have one Australian friend, technically two if you count the one that doesn't like me anymore. And they have told me, you know, spiders there are pretty rough. Uh, we've already been over the snakes, uh, all kinds of bugs over there. I mean, you you want to, like, be in shelter at all times over there. And uh, he's just sleeping, like, on the ground at night. That gets a no thanks out of me. I mean, you're also talking about Crocodile Dundee. The man has Crocodile in his name. Are you going to doubt his ability to sleep out in the open? Uh, I mean, his name's not Scorpion Dundee. You know where those go? <laughs> in your butt. Okay, you got to be careful. Not all of wildlife goes in your butt. I don't know how we got here, Trav, but I am concerned about you, friend. Look it up. <laughs> okay. I'm definitely not going to Google that because I don't want to be on a list somewhere. Stay ignorant. <laughs> Jeez. Well... Anyway, everybody goes to sleep. Nothing goes in anybody's butt, and we're going to move on. All right. So um, Sue awakens in the night and finds Mick gone, and she hears gunshots going. I sounded a little bit like Christopher Walken there for a second. And um, she hears, like, guns going off, and she's like, what the heck's going on? Uh, so she she sneaks over to where she hears the guns and the shouting and the woohoos and whatnot. Well, there's some drunk poachers out there just Well, shooting. that's a good point. Uh, in Australia, you have to yell woohoo when you shoot. Oh, okay, all right. So Sorry, those yeah. guys were abiding by the law. Yeah, you, they were shooting and woohooing, but that is above board. Okay, perfect. Gotcha. Sorry, my, my, I apologize to all of Australia. So they're out there shooting uh, kangaroos drunkenly, and um, so Sue's like, "Oh my gosh, this is terrible!" And then Mick pops up beside her, and she's like, "Ah, what are you doing there?" And he's like, "Oh, you know, I was just checking <laughs> stuff out." And she says, "Well, are you going to stop them?" And he's like, "Nah." 
I don't know why. I mean, they're just shooting kangaroos. I mean, there's like a bazillion of them. And she's like, come on. And he's like, fine, I'll impress this chick. So he grabs himself a dead kangaroo, uh, pins it up against a tree, and then just starts firing his gun at these human beings. Now, look, I know these guys haven't been great. You know, I got a soft spot for animals. All right. I don't want to see kangaroos yeah. killed. But I think also firing back a gun at people where you could accidentally shoot one of them. That's a problem, Trav. I did, I did not agree with Crocodile Dundee here. Well, one thing to note, this is also the same guy that accused him of poaching back at the old uh, bar earlier that oh, he punched right. mid-dance. This guy already kind of had it coming. And his worst atrocity, getting out, of, getting out to pee near a water source. Got to be 100 <laughs> feet away. So I think Crocodile Dundee had every right to shoot him as a kangaroo. <laughs> and thankfully he missed and only hit that guy's gun because that guy deserved it. So the next scene, we see uh, Crocodile Dundee. He's busted out his trusty Bowie knife and he's he's shaving with it because why wouldn't you? I mean, you're Crocodile Dundee. You're going to shave with your gigantic knife. And uh, Sue does a little. And also fair to say you've grown no hair <laughs> over the course of the film. It's like it's like the the commercials that they have anyway, where like an already shaven guy is shaving with a Norelco with nine blades. It's like, dude, you didn't need it. Wait, wait, wait. Of course wait, wait. it looks smooth. Wait, I think I just hold on. Will you scrub that we we actually scrub the film as we're going through it so we don't miss any of the juicy details. I think he's pretending to shave with the knife and he's actually shaving with a razor. Um I think he's pretending to shave with the knife to impress Sue. And then he's actually, sh I might have just changed my whole perspective on this film. Hold on. It's happening right now, guys. Yeah, he's he got a razor. 100% shaving with a razor. And then he pretends to shave with a knife. That, my friend, is an outstanding comic bit. Wow. Oh, I, I missed that too. Wow. Re oh, man. That just blew my mind, Trav. How did I watch this movie as a kid like a gazillion times and never catch that bit? I, I see. I thought he was doing like, uh, you know, getting around. He was edging, doing some tr <laughs> edging work with the with the razor, but getting like the main face yard, the lawn with the knife. That's what I thought. Yeah, no, I think it's a hundred percent. He uh, he was faking it. He was trying to impress. Uh, he was trying to impress his new lady friend. That and is a really he, good bit. He does a bad bit uh, here where he tries to impress his lady friend. She's like, "Oh, uh, you know, how did you survive out here?" And she talks some poetry into her tape recorder, and he says, "Well, listen, you couldn't survive out survive out here. You're just a lady woman." That's what he tells her. Yeah, it's he terrible. tells her that to her face. And uh, so she says, well, I'm going off on my own. And then she shoots a gun at him. She shoots. A, okay, look, I get it. I don't like misogyny either. But I think firing a firearm at the man is probably a little bit too far. I think she crossed a line there as well. Yeah. I mean, this was the part where you screamed, why is everybody so loose with the guns? And I couldn't <laughs> have agreed with you more. I mean, even a kangaroo got a shot in on a man earlier. <laughs> it's nuts. He did. So she takes off on her own. She's upset. She's going to show him, look, I don't need you around. I can take care of myself. And he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll just stalk you. I'll just follow you for the next five or six scenes, and you won't see me. And uh, she ends up at a, uh, a little watering hole sort of area for some reason. And this also troubled me. There's a lot of things in this movie that troubled me as an adult that didn't trouble me as a child. She takes off her, she has like a serape or a sarong or whatever those things are called. What are those things called, Trav? I 
I didn't recognize either of your attempts. <laughs> like a like are a wrap around like, dress. She's got a wrap around about, like, dress on. She's got a fanny pack for water. That's yeah. She's got a. She does have a canteen wrapped around her neck for some reason. Um, but she takes that off, and underneath of it, she's wearing like a uh, like a string bikini, like a like a one piece, but with like a string bikini. And I just yeah. think that that's really weird bush bush wear. Like I don't feel like that's what I would wear <laughs> if I was exploring the Australian wilderness. They don't sell that at REI. <laughs> No, but maybe they should. <laughs> maybe maybe Patagonia needs to put out the uh, the, the G-string um, bathing suit explorer wear. I think there's a market for it. But truly, a one-piece thong, no better bush wear. That will expose said bush. That's, I'm done with bush uh, jokes. Thank God. Thank God you're done with that. So anyway, she's trying to fill up her water canister, and a crocodile comes out, and Crocodile Dundee goes, oh, dang. Oh, well, first of all, he's Pervin. First of all, we can say he's Pervin. She's like, yeah. again, for some reason, she takes her dress off. I don't know why. Um, And he's kind of watching her. And uh, a a, uh, crocodile comes out of the water, and he leaps through the air and stabs it in its head. And I mean that's the gist. That's what that's what happens in this scene. Um and she's obviously very grateful to be saved from the alligator and she probably soiled her G-string. <laughs> if it wasn't soiled already cuz she's been wearing it for at least 2 days. Yeah, in the bush, man. Like I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine that was a good decision. Bush on but, both ends of that one. <laughs> but God bless her. You know, I guess she just wasn't expecting Exactly all the uh, the things that Australia was was gonna was gonna present to her, but anyway, he does manage to keep her safe, and uh, it kind of causes them to bond a little bit. Well, uh, a little bit later, they're camping, and uh, she's sort of talking to him about city living. Uh, he looks at her butt. Uh, they just had to get a butt joke in there again because um, apparently she scratched uh, her butt and he's like, no, no, I'll check it out. Well, one of his aboriginal friends uh, shows up. He sees uh, Crocodile Dundee, his boy, looking at some girl's butt instead of being a bro and being like, nah, I won't interrupt that. I kind of see what's going on here. He, uh, he walks out and he's like, hey, what's up, man? And uh, there's some there's some jokes in here, Trav. There's some good jokes in here, isn't there? Yeah, there's a, th- this whole bit kind of turns into sort of like a Mel Brooks parody <laughs> Where, uh, like the uh, the Aboriginal guy says, she goes to, like take his picture, and he's like, "No, no picture," or you can't take a picture of me. And she's like, "Oh no, why? Because oh, because you think you you believe that cameras steal your soul." He's like, "No, no, no, you got the lens cap on," <laughs> and then <laughs> which is great quality quality joke there. I really liked it. So good. Then he looks at like his fancy gold Rolex watch while he's not wearing no other clothes, which is funny yeah. to me. And then he takes off walk, and it's completely at night. And they say, "Well, how how can he see where he's going?" And he's like, "He thinks his way." And then all of a sudden, crack! You hear him like run into a tree, and he's like, "Ah, I hate the bush." And there's so many little funny things right there that I thought were great. But um, yeah, it was uh, he was presented with an awkward moment because he definitely caught Mick Dundee just staring down the barrel of her butt in the middle of the night. Like it was an awkward thing to run into. So no wonder he wanted out of there. Here we are, season two. We're just going to talk about butts. I don't know. I, I did mean, we, if, did we jump the shark here, Trav? Is this all we're you good for now? You asked me to be on the podcast. You know my track record. I got. I'm the butt joke guy. That's all I got. Well, but we I mean, find... the, it was a weird scene. 
It was. Everything in this part of the movie was pretty weird, I'll admit. So, anyway, we find out that the Aboriginal gentleman is going to a ceremony of some kind where women aren't allowed. And Mick's like, well, I want to go along. I know everybody, and uh, I was raised by this tribe. So, he goes along with his with his friend, and Sue uh, sneaks to see the ceremony. Um, she wasn't supposed to, which also, I find, I find that not cool of her. Like, she shows up at this... Um, uh, you know, it's Aboriginal ceremony. It's it's supposed to be private. And she's there with her camera taking pictures like that's I don't I didn't like that either. I mean, I know that's like the least offensive woke thing in this movie that I can talk about. But that sort of <laughs> bothered me, too. I was like, that's not cool. That's not cool. Sue. Yeah, I mean, journalist going to journalist, dude. They just want those want that story. Want those pics. I guess so, man. I just didn't. It's feel not okay good. I'm it. agreeing with you. It's not great. Yeah, I guess it's not unpredictable behavior, but it still wasn't cool. Well, but she also doesn't take a picture. She does her worst thing that comes out of this is that she stalked a little bit. He stalked her. So now they're evensies. That's true. That's very true. Mick, of course, does spot her and sees her. And uh, then he comes back to camp and says some sexist things. And uh, then they uh, and then he makes (laughs) he makes a. I'm trying to say this. I'm trying to not get too dirty, but we do have to sort of cover the plot. But he makes a um, like an oral sex joke. I guess I just have to say it that way. He makes an oral sex joke, yeah. and it's kind of gross. I didn't like it. Yeah, it was. She um, liked it. I, Sue was cool with it, so I guess I should be cool with it. Again, I feel like I I'm the prude it. of this podcast. Like I'm like, I thought, oh, <laughs> I don't like this, and I don't like that. But I mean, that's just I actually I thought that was. I thought it was pretty well crafted. I thought it was like one of the better things he'd said to her up till then. Maybe, maybe, (laughs) but they end up the next day at Echo Lake, um, where there are no crocodiles because apparently the water is full of minerals and crocodiles, man, they, if there's one thing they hate, it's minerals. And so, um, Mick goes to this elaborate, uh, song and dance to get her to eat gross things. And here's my problem. All right. So he, uh, cooks up a goanna. All right. And some, he digs up some like yams, some roots and that sort of thing. All for a joke. He's like, yeah, that stuff tastes gross, doesn't it? Uh, and I'm like, dude, you killed a Goanna just for a joke. That is messed up. Like, that is some Jeffrey Dahmer level stuff. Like, seriously, Paul Hogan, do you have to kill everything in Australia? He's well on his way. He's well on his way. Uh, and fun fun thing, Goanna. Um, see, I didn't realize that was what the name of that. I didn't realize that was the name of that animal until this movie. Mm-hmm. But it makes sense because one of my favorite movies as a kid, Kev. Or maybe Goanna. I'm either way. I'm with you. My, one of my favorite movies as a kid was The Rescuers Down Under. Uh huh. And the bad guy in that movie. I don't know if you've seen it. It's it's a great oh, Disney yeah. flick. Uh, the bad guy in that movie has a pet, a uh, li- big lizard, named Joanna. I never put them together that that was a Goanna. I didn't. I didn't realize that that was the name of a species. Oh, so interesting. I Crocodile Dundee taught me something. Man, just brought you right back, didn't it? Well, mm-hmm. uh, apparently tricking her into eating gross things is uh, Sue's bag because she uh, she gives him a little <laughs> smoochadoo here. She gives him a little smoochadoo. She's like, yeah, I'm hitting on you. He says, oh, I thought you were making a pass at me. And she's like, yeah, so what if I was? Ah, that's the kissing noise. They rub bug-covered tongues on each other. <laughs> Sure do, buddy. They sure do. Well, it's about time for their Outback adventure to come to an end. So Wally picks them up 
And she invites Mick to come back to New York City. And he says, yeah, I guess I'll do that. And this, Trav, when I was a kid, is when I checked out of the movie. I would watch Crocodile Dundee up until the point where he goes to New York City. And I was like, eh, I'm out. Yeah, I actually think it's weird that he doesn't really, like, resist that. You'd think he'd be like, oh, city. No, no thanks for me there, mate. I'm out here. I'm a bushman. I'm going to hang out here with my crocodiles and Wally. And we're just going to run around eating goannas. I'm not thinking <laughs> about going to New York. But instead, he was like... Sounds good. <laughs> I mean, I'll I go. guess a, a free trip on somebody else's dime is a free trip on somebody else's dime. So I, I guess I can't I can't be too upset at Crocodile Dundee. So he hops on the plane. He's scared of flying, apparently. He's not done it before. He's a little apprehensive, but he makes the flight okay. They land in New York City, and uh, Sue's boyfriend, uh, which we've talked about earlier, her boy toy, uh, Richard, picks her up. Immediately, we hate him. Immediately, we hate him, don't we, Trav? Yeah, and the the whole like, uh, I guess it becomes like sort of a, a, a drawn out sitcom for the next bit. It's just putting the rural Australian in all of these city situations and seeing how dumb he can be. So he's he's scared of the escalator. Uh, apparently, he got in a fight with a bag attendant. Uh, <laughs> all these other things, and then we meet the boyfriend, and, and uh, we go out to dinner, and this guy just a total douche. <laughs> Paul Hogan's keeping his cool, but if I were him, I would have probably already been on my way back to Australia, like not soon after the airport ride was done or airplane <laughs> ride was done. Yeah, but I mean, again, he's seen uh, he's seen Linda and her uh, her her basically her string bikini, so I guess it's just true to pull him in to the the fast that might keep me in the apple. Yeah, might. exactly. Keep him in the big apple. Um so yeah, in this scene, uh Mick meets uh their uh, driver uh who is played by the incomparable uh Reginald uh, Ver Johnson uh or Vel Johnson. Is it Ver or Vel? Let me hold on. Uh this <laughs> Kos- is really Kozlowski. It's Kozlowski. not no uh Trav, it's Vel Johnson. It's Vel Johnson. Reginald Vel Johnson. Um, and uh, they become friends. Uh, Mick is accidentally racist in this scene. And uh, he ends up, Mick ends up getting into, I don't know if it's the Four Seasons. I don't know what it is, but it's a really nice hotel that uh, uh, Sue's, ho- uh, Sue's newspaper has paid for. And uh, he ashes his cigarette in his hat because he can't find an ashtray. And then um, he's amazed by a, a bidet. Now, I have a problem in this scene, Trav. Um, Sue refuses to explain uh, to Crocodile Dundee uh, what a bidet is and how it works and just leaves him to his own devices with a bidet. Now, that's a very terrifying prospect. My friend, I mean, this man saved her from a crocodile, and she can't just explain how a bidet works? He also made her eat gross bugs. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we're assuming they're gross. They might be delicious. I don't know. He did say they tasted bad okay, after right. he made her eat them. I, I mean, mean again, I, subjective, uh, subjective. Yeah, I guess. You cruised through where he was accidentally racist. I feel like we do have to point out that <laughs> it was drawn up that way. Right. <laughs> was intentionally accidentally racist, but it smooths over at some point later. But he does ask the cab driver what tribe he's in because he was used to his buddy, his Aboriginal friend, I guess was the only other black man that he had ever seen. And this naturally kicks off a very awkward moment in the movie where I felt myself break out in cold sweat. (laughs) 
Yeah, and then the writers really lean into it later, and you're like, dude, you don't need to do that. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll yeah. Get, we'll get to that. So anyway, my man Mick is left with his bidet. He says, I figured it out. It's for washing your butt. He figures it out, and he yells it out. A, yeah. He yells it out a window, which is, you know, hey, good for him. Uh, but he decides to go on a walk through a beautiful New York City, and he's just confused by things. It's just, it's a hodgepodge, a montage scene of uh, of Crocodile Dundee being confused by modern conveniences <laughs> and city life, and then he makes friends with a policeman, and he rides on a horse back to the hotel, and that is really just the gist of that scene. Total waste of my time. So glad they put it in the movie. <laughs> I kind of liked it. Well, 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 opinions vary, Trav. Opinions vary. Well, the next scene, um, we meet up with Richard, the boyfriend, again. Uh, he's drunk. He's a jerk. He's making all kinds of like, and I've I've been in this situation of being like sort of the guy from a rural area, and people are like, yeah, handles it, possum taste, and I'm like, I don't know, it's pretty good if you render the fat down and you smoke it right, you know, like I mean, I just in general, like I don't appreciate Richard's attitude, and I immediately hate him. Well, I was super stoked. When Crocodile Dundee uh, says, hey, look at that over there. That looks like tasty food. And then, bam, punches Richard right in his stupid face. I loved it. Yes. Loved it, Trav. Yeah, because what is it like? They have like an Italian menu, and he's like, oh, you want me to order for us? And he's like flexing his ability to pronounce all the things on the menu. And I'm with you, Kev. I have also been in those situations. You and I are from the same... Maybe not the same neck of the woods, but we're from the same appendages of this relatively roughly the same woods. And I have been talked down to on several occasions based on my rural ignorance. You know, it's not my fault, uh, but I don't like when people do that. And I was very happy to see that guy get a – I don't know what it happened so fast. Was it a throat punch or to the temple? Like, no, I don't know. no, I think it was just a jaw. I think he just cracked him in the pop, 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 gave him a little, little shot the to the same jaw. way he did that gator, just, just right across the – Right across well, the no, nine. he didn't stab Richard in the head I'm with sorry. a Bowie knife. I mean, crocodile. A croc- I said gator like oh, an idiot. Oh, you did say gator, didn't like you? Like a moron. Oh, my gosh. You mean the two animals that look very similar? You got them confused? Only they an don't. idiot would do that, Trav. They don't. One has a slender snout. One has a big old bulbous <laughs> snout. Get it I thought right. the difference was one would see you later and one would see you after a while. <laughs> That is a key difference. Yes. I really hate that I made that joke, and I hate that I made it halfway through the podcast, so now people are immediately (laughs) turning it off. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, everybody hops in a cab, and uh, Mick and uh, Sue argue about uh, whether Richard is right for her, which really that's her decision, I guess. I she, Again, she's sort of uh, playing both sides. Like She's like, ooh, Richard, I still love you, but Mick, I'm leading you on too. So I'm like, Sue, girl, you got to pick somebody at one point. But anyway, hey, that's her business. So they drop uh, uh, Richard off at his place, and Sue gets out of the cab, and, you know, as Mick's uh, tenancy, he makes friends with the cab driver, and the cab driver says, hey, you want to go to a bar? And Mick's like, yeah, that sounds cool. There's there's a few things that happen in this scene. Again, this is the, the transphobic scene that we kind of alluded to where he um, just grabs someone's crotch, which I didn't think was very cool. Um, and the then, first of two times that happens. Yeah, that happens twice in this movie. Um, yeah. Just a, yeah, I don't know, ham-handed joke, whatever. Although he does make some friends with some of the bar patr- uh, patrons, and there's like this weird, and this must have been what like, you know, when you travel to a new area. I mean, I've I've kind of experienced 
this in a, in a microcosm, but like when you go to a new area and you're trying to like use the slang from where you're from and it's not quite landing, people aren't getting what you're saying. So a little bit of that happens in the scene, but he ends up making friends with the patron and then he like grabs this poor uh, person's crotch and it's just, uh, it, it's, and everybody laughs and it's not cool. Um, but in the, uh, the next scene, uh, he does do something cool where he goes outside and he's talking to some, some ladies of the evening, some working girls <laughs> and, uh, their pimp comes over and says something kind of nasty and he just cracks that pimp right in the face, which I can really appreciate about Crocodile Dundee. Well, I also appreciate that he had no idea they were sex workers. He just thought they were just being real neighborly. <laughs> he he just walks out and they're like, they're like, you want a freebie? And he was like, heck yeah, dude. Like, this is great. Like <laughs> New York's were, the best city on earth. Wow, this is amazing. He knew them by name. He was so jazzed. They were like, "Oh, we've seen you in the newspaper. You're the you're the crocodile man." He was like, "That'd be right. Yeah, that's me." And they were like, "Man, we'd really like to steam your ham." And he was like, "Let's go." <laughs> and then like the the pimp. That's I'm not quoting it right, but the pimp walks out and he's like, "No freebies on my watch." I don't know if that's what he said, but he does get clocked, and I do mm. love it when a pimp gets hit. That's one of my favorite things in the world. I love it. I love it, man. Well, uh, Mick ends up driving the cab back to the hotel because the cabbie that he made friends with is too hammered to drive. So, hey, good for you, Mick, keeping everybody safe out there, except that you drove on the wrong side of the road, bud. You might want to look into that. But He did make the joke about the steering wheel being on the wrong side of the car, which I needed him to put in there, and I'm glad that they did. <laughs> it was obligatory it had to happen well uh, yes. the next scene um uh, crocodile dundee is uh, taking a bath and uh, washing his laundry in the bathtub at the same time and sue plays uh the the tommy boy gag where she's like you want a towel you know knock 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 housekeeping she pretends to be housekeeping and does like a sexy leg slide on the door jam and you're like sue that's not cool again the man right. uh, has not invited you in uh, when he's in the bathroom taking a shower, you're invading his privacy again. Not being cool, Sue, but you know, hey, whatever. Right. And um, the last that we saw with of her was, you know, they were she was with uh, dinner with her boyfriend that they drug back. I mean, it, she made it very clear that she loved Richard, and now she's going to come over here and dangle this real smooth, shiny leg in front of him while he's in the shower. He has to cover up his poor uh, his crocodile. His crocodile. He had to cover up his Dundee with his hat out of shame. The poor, I felt bad for him in this scenario. That's that's not cool, Sue. Poor On fella. the other end of the spectrum, I would say that Sue does have a very nice leg. Her leg is very nice. She has a nice leg. Honestly, I was very impressed by that leg. I was like, did they? Is that CGI? That's that such a CGI? good leg. Is that a stunt leg? What do you <laughs> got going stunt? on there? Shout Jesus. out, Linda. Shout out, Linda. That leg's cool. Linda, because uh, Lexi, they call her. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch of wasted time that happens where him and Sue go around New York City. There's a callback joke uh, where she gets him a hot dog and uh, she tries to trick him into eating it like the like he did the Goanna. I don't know. It's it's all dumb. Uh, Mick knocks a guy out with a can <laughs> that happens, which with an arm like oh, that, he should probably be playing dude. in the NFL. Uh, he knocks yeah, the dude, guy he, out. Like, seriously, man, he stops a mugger with like a can of like Campbell's soup from forty <laughs> yards away. How is he not on the Colts? I don't. That was impressive. <laughs> Were the nineteen eighties Colts good? I don't know, man. I don't know who they could have really used an team. arm like like Paul Hogan's in eighty <laughs> six. Are you kidding me? They're probably still in Baltimore then. I have no idea. <laughs> We uh, Unitas we, was long gone. Is all I'm saying. They could I have feel, used him. 
I feel like we need Alex from uh, from SNES Drunk. I think he could tell us exactly the sports uh, <laughs> yeah. trivia that we need right now. He really could. <laughs> Shout out to our boy. Um, all right. Well, uh, in the next scene, we end up in a little artsy party. Um, Croc, uh, Crocodile Dundee Mick sees the, uh, the lady of the evening that he met earlier. And he's like, oh, that's really nice that she's here with her dad. And Sue's like, just yeah. Just neighborly. Yeah, very neighborly, right? Um, and there's just, uh, this scene just doesn't need to happen. God, this scene is lame. And it went on way too long, stupid gags in it, and I hated it. I hated every second that I had to watch this scene. Um, again, young Kev was smart when he just turned off this movie when they left Australia. But there's a couple of things that happened here. Um, primarily, uh, Mick wastes a whole bunch of cocaine and grabs a person's crotch that he shouldn't grab. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the gist of this scene. Am I right, Trav? He wastes this poor man's cocaine. This guy probably... He probably worked overtime for this cocaine, and then he just pours hot water on it, tells him to sniff the fumes off of it. I mean, that's insulting, number one. But then the worst thing, you and we don't, I don't want to go into detail about it, but basically the same gag repeated where there's some more crotch grabbing to verify someone's gender, which is just not cool. But she excuses it by saying, oh, he's Australian. Like, that's not an excuse. That's still harassment. And there, he- too. Equally as yeah, it is equally as a. Although I guess people do use that as like a like a running you know joke, like oh he's foreign, he doesn't know better. But um, <laughs> the equally as offensive is the height of Paul Hogan's pants in this in this scene. Good lord, I, they are yeah. like six inches above his navel. It's I mean he is in I mean we're talking Carl Winslow. He is in full Steve Urkel territory here. My buddy's mom. When I was growing up, I would always go over to his house. And she would wear her jeans literally up past her top rib. And that was all I could think of when I saw Dundee wearing his pants that high. I was like, Teresa Blevins got her style. Shout out. From Mick Dundee. <laughs> also, I want to say Linda looks really pretty in that scene. She She's all done up for the party and she's looking good, dog. <laughs> yeah, dude. It might be all the absinthe I've, I've drank just talking for me right now, but... <laughs> Linda, Linda's a real catch. I think she's she's, I would say, underrated attractiveness for the '80s. I don't know if anyone's no one's talking about Linda Kozlowski. I am right now. I I I mean, I thought people were talking about Linda Kozlowski, but that's fine. It's no no big deal, Trav. No big deal at all. Well, in the next scene, we see Mick calling back to Australia. Nothing of any consequence happens in this scene, and it doesn't need to happen. So we're just going to skip it because it doesn't matter. Um, well, this. Trev, in this next scene is the moment of the movie that your dad, my dad, every dad, everybody remembers. Man, let me tell you, it's the, that's not a knife, this is a knife. I, again, I sound like I'm cognizant. What are you I doing? Don't, I don't know. I don't know, Trav. I hate it. I hate you sound like you're Trav. making fun of a six-year-old for saying it. <laughs> she says, listen. He's got a knife. Go, oh, here, let's paint the whole picture. There's yeah, a guy in like a red. Me, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a guy that comes up. He's wearing like a red suit. Like he just he just got off a like a stunt double from the Thriller music video. He comes up. He has a little tiny knife, and he's like, "Give me your wallet." And he has this little knife, and she's like, "Mick, you better listen to him." And he's like, "I gotta listen to him." She's like, "But he's got a knife." And then two of his cronies walk up. So now there's three guys three threatening him for this wallet. 
Paul Hogan, I mean, I'm sorry, Mick Dundee's like, no sweat. That's not a knife. And then he pulls out a f- cuckoo machete. <laughs> he says, this is a, this is a knife. And then the, the guys turn and run because this guy, he's got the bigger knife, which is how it should always work in society. Bigger knife. You win. You don't even have to do anything with it. You just have to have the biggest one. I mean, he does mess up this man's perfectly uh, nice 1980s jacket. He does. Like, I he feel like the guy was going to leave either way, and he's like, nah. And the sound effect there is really off. It's really bad and really jarring. I don't know who did the sound design in that scene, but it, hey, you know what? You suck. I'm going to say it. You suck. Yeah, you didn't do a good job. It, it sounded like he was stabbing a leather sofa to death, <laughs> but it it really was strange that he, like, was able to cut that guy's jacket all up, and that guy like didn't even move. Yeah, that was weird. That was a weird, scene kind of a all weird scene. Around. But I do like but that you know line, what? and I do the like the other bigger knife. Yeah, it's really good, man. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know if I ever told you the story, Trav. You're talking about cutting up a leather sofa. When I was a kid, um, me and my buddy Mike, uh, his parents had just gotten this brand new leather sofa. And we we were really young kids, and we uh, were left unattended. I don't know why we were left unattended, but we were. And so we got kitchen knives out, and we were playing He-Man, and uh, we decided to stab this new leather couch with these kitchen knives, ruining their leather couch. And that's exactly what happens to this uh, this robber's jacket in the scene. It gets destroyed, God, dude. like the Spencer's couch. As a parent, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what I would do with you. Oh. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Which one of well, you? Who was He-Man? Uh, well, he. I think we were both He-Man and alternated She-Ra. Like, we were He-Man and She-Ra back and forth, <laughs> you know? Well, who was the couch? <laughs> I think it was just the bad guy. I think probably Skeletor, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, Skeletor is kind of, he's a skeleton, but he's leathery, too. So, you know, it makes sure, sense, right? Kind of yeah. couchy. No, I get it. <laughs> just so every time I see a leather couch now, I just remember my boy back in the day. Me and him just giggling and just stabbing his couch. I don't know why that's that's terrible, Trav. I don't know why we that's did that. Horrifying. That's the you worst know. thing I've ever heard. Just my stomach hurts for that family. Who? <laughs> do you know how many I mean, Marlboro points they had to get for that couch? <laughs> Significant amount, man. You know, uh, like back in the in the eighties, man, a leather couch. I mean, that was like three, four hundred bucks. Was is like six or seven thousand in today monies? <laughs> Seriously, gosh, <laughs> those poor people. And you're just gleefully stabbing it to death. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Well, speaking of people who are not poor, um, we find out that Sue's dad runs this big time newspaper that Sue works for. First of all, nepotism. Am I right, Trav? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he mm-hmm. wants to throw a welcome home dinner for uh, for his daughter. And so he invites uh, both Richard. Ugh, we hate Richard. Ugh, Richard the boyfriend. But apparently dad likes him enough. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Well, he's invites, the editor. I know. And I'm just like, that's kind of skeezy, too. There's a lot of skis going on at this newspaper. I need to talk to HR there, but we'll we'll set that yeah. aside for now. So um, he invites uh, both Richard and, of course, Sue, because it's her welcome home dinner, and says, hey, bring bring Mick. Bring that Australian. I'd like to meet him. So they all head to uh, the big dinner scene, and uh, we find out that, uh, obviously, Sue's dad is super wealthy, big palatial mansion, huge, right? So they get out, and they hear, woof, 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 woof. And it turns out dad has some vicious Rottweilers that he's released on the property. Now, 
first of all, you know you have dinner guests, so put up the vicious dogs. Yeah. I mean, I my dogs aren't away. vicious. They're just obnoxious, and I put them up when dinner guests come over. So Dad should have mm-hmm. definitely done that. But Mick does the old hypnotizing the Rottweiler routine, the mm. same thing he did to that buffalo, just puts yep. it to sleep. Same thing I did to our uh, toy poodle when I was a young boy, and it would just lick my fingers and never fall asleep. Kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, these weren't toy poodles. They were they were healthy, robust Rottweilers. And, you know, Mick makes friends with them. When he heads in, we uh, we see that Mick doesn't understand psychology. Um, Sue talks about somebody getting a therapist. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't know that person was crazy. And it's like, no, 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 we all need a therapist. We all need somebody to talk to every once in a while, Mick. And I just want to take a moment and shout out to our fans out there. Trev, do we have fans? I guess they're listeners. Friends. They're yeah, our friends. Yeah, listeners. Yeah, friends. I'm going to walk that back. Uncles. I'm just going to say our friends. They're our friends. Yeah, walk it back. Shout out to our friends out there. Um, if you need a, If you need a therapist, get one. Like, don't even hesitate. It's one of the best investments you can make in yourself. All right? And I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that right here Do on it. the record. I agree with Kev. I endorse. I can't not agree with that. It would be weird if I didn't. <laughs> I mean, but you I could, do. and we could argue about it, and you'd be wrong. I mean, if you want to do that, that'd be It's okay. a waste of 25 bucks, even if you have health insurance. It's just somebody else to listen to. Your, they don't help. No, they do help. <laughs> and it's worth it. Wow, that escalated so quickly. I feel like we've uncovered some stuff, Trav. I'll send you a no, bill that was for just a bit. That was just a bit. I have actually I have my appointment tomorrow at one o'clock. You will come up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that kind of that makes me feel a little honored that like I'm coming into your therapy session. That's really cool, man. Um, well, anyway, uh, back at the dinner scene and uh, <laughs> separate from Trav and I's uh, shared trauma, we, we see Richard <laughs> and he is he is uh, proposing to Sue and uh, we assume that Sue is going to accept. Obviously, Richard is the, uh, you know, sort of good looking, affluent city guy. And she's like, yeah, cool. I got this weird thing I'm wearing on my head. I guess I'll marry Richard. <laughs> um, she is wearing, I don't know what that thing is called, but it's not cool. Uh, nobody else is wearing it. I've never seen anything like it. It looks like like Little House on the Prairie met the worst brothel in all of Victorian England. I don't know what it is, and it needs to go away. Anyway, girl, call me. I'll give you more fashion advice. So Richard uh, proposes, and Mick is sad. He's like, oh, man, I lost this chick that I really like. I really i'm I, I'm into her. I appreciate her um, for who she is, but I guess she's going to marry Richard. So he uh, leaves in the car with uh, Carl Winslow. Shout out to our boy Gus. A.K.A. Carl Winslow, A.K.A. Uh, Reginald uh, Vell Johnson. Yeah, A.K.A. No, that's it. That's all I got. That's all you got. You don't have anything to add to that guy from Die Hard. Guy from Die Hard. Um. So so they they head out for uh a little night on the town. Um. Our uh, our pal Croc is uh, a little bummed out. Uh. Gus comes through in the clinch and's like, "Hey man, look, I got a bottle of liquor. Have yourself a drink." He's like, "Thanks, man." So he drops him off in the middle of Times Square. First of all, causing a traffic hazard, but we'll let that go. And uh, Mick walks uh walks around for a while drinking. He gives the bottle of booze to a uh, an unhoused person, and uh, they're like, "Hey man, thanks. That was really cool of you." Well. Uh, lo and behold, of course, Mick is going to run into, you know, they make a joke of it earlier in the movie about like, oh, how you never run into anybody, you know, in New York City. Um, right. When when Mick is talking to a guy outside the window, he's like, oh, I'll probably see you around. I was like, no, you won't. It's a big city. 
Well, Mick just happenstance runs into the pimp that he knocked out of uh, the night before, and they get into a brawl. Now, this pimp has brought a couple of other dudes with him, and I mean, they're—I I don't want to—I don't want to call our boy out. I don't want to call Mick uh, out, but he's—he's he's getting the better of our boy Mick. Like the the three guys are ganging up on him. Well, Gus comes through, boom. Vehicular manslaughter <laughs> just runs over one of the dudes. Runs over a dude with a cat. Yes, he does. And then he pulls off the um, again. This is casually racist of the movie, but he pulls off the um, the rear uh, spoiler or antenna, which is just happens to be shaped like a boomerang. And Carl Winslow chucks it at a dude and hits him at like I don't know, maybe forty 50 yards. yards, fifty, forty, fifty yards. Right again. Yeah, needs to be playing for the nineteen eighties Colts and. <laughs> And drops the guy and knocks him out. And Mick's like, oh, see, I thought you definitely were in a tribe because you can throw a boomerang. Come on, dude. Yeah. Do we need that joke? Do we need that joke, Trav? We didn't even really need the boomerang bit. I'm so glad it's in there, though. It was pretty fun. I mean, it was fun. I don't I don't like the, the casually racist implications, but I do appreciate a good boomerang toss. Yeah, we definitely didn't need the follow-up, but the fact that, again, a cab driver who he was, again, racist too, twice, uh, but once at this point, gives him booze, follows him, because he he kind of has an eye on him, follows him, sees him getting his butt kicked, runs over a man, I'm going to say kills him, kills a man with his car, <laughs> then hops out, rips the spoiler off his own car, chucks oh, it like a boomerang 50 yards, and I'm going to say severs a man's head from 50 yards away and kills that man to two okay. deaths. All right, hold on. He doesn't sever his head. His head is still he attached. He lops his head off. <laughs> Barely. By a threat. Dead, though. It's still some skin, but not enough to live on. That's Are Dead. you doing two the kills. Mortal Kombat version of this movie? I feel like his head was still <laughs> attached, Trav. Two kills in less than um, 10 seconds apart. Unbelievable. Oh. Honestly, a little more... That was maybe more bad A than anything that Crocodile Dundee's done the whole movie. 100%. 100%. I don't know, man. That that scene where he like puts the buffalo to sleep, uh, stupid as it may be, is pretty cool. Like I wish I could do like, a, like <laughs> the, the hang loose hand uh, motion to something mm. and it would go to sleep other than just, you know. Uh, Try it on your dogs later. See if they uh, go to sleep or lick your fingers. Because for me, it was mostly finger licking. But it was, you know what? I was finger licking good at it. Was the problem just like Kenny Roaster's um, chicken? No, that's that's KFC, isn't it? That is looking good. Was that KFC? That's KFC. That is KFC. Thought you were from the South. What are you doing right now? No, I'm just saying KFC doesn't hold a torch to Kenny Rogers Roasters. It's just it doesn't. It just doesn't. Okay, and I'm tired of pretending that it does. And I'm sad that Kenny Rogers. I'm I'm a vegan, and I'm sad that Kenny Rogers Roasters doesn't exist anymore. I didn't know it ever existed. What? Shut up. You've never been to a Kenny Rogers Roasters? I don't know what they have in your Podunk Village. I've never been there. <laughs> Bro, you are missing out. Oh my I mean they don't have them anymore. But I will say uh, Kenny Rogers, head and shoulders above the Colonel any day of the week. Any day of the week. And you could come at me, bro. I don't know how right now, but I'll think about it. <laughs> okay. 
All right. You consider it. You think about it, man. Well, look, listen, we're at the end of the movie, all right? Uh, Mick has decided to head back, uh, or not head back to Australia, rather. He's going to go on a walkabout around America, see what this, this United States of America is all about. Well, let me tell you, Mick, it's all about freedom, flags, and uh, justice. That's what we stand for here in the old U.S. of A. I'll tell you that right now. Well, he uh, he heads off for the, the local subway, uh, to to get out of New York, he's gonna head out right. and, and see the world. Sue shows up and she's like, "Oh no, I need to find Mick. How did he leave without talking to me?" So she starts running barefoot down the streets of New York. Bad decision, dude. Bad decision. Seriously, man. seriously. Name a hepatitis. Yep, you can get it. You can get it running barefoot. <laughs> And I was playing a game in my head the whole time of of which is more dangerous or like what would you rather do this in the the outback or New York City, and like running barefoot, I think I'd rather outback. I think I might take my chances in the outback yeah. barefoot, even with all the snakes and the scorpions and all the other stuff I would much rather be barefoot in the outback. But throw a boomerang fifty yards and try to kill a man. New York City seems like the right place to be for that. So. 100%. Shout out to Linda Kozwalski in this scene. I said her name right, Kozwalski. Um, in this scene, she is she is super athletic, man. She is hustling. I guess those legs ain't just for showing, uh, pretending to be housekeeping. <laughs> I appreciate it too because I always hate movies when I feel like actors should be running as fast as they can, but they're not because they'll run out of green screen. <laughs> but this is this is outside in New York, presumably. She is booking it. You know who never does that? Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise in every movie looks like he's running fast while he's standing still. My man is he's three just... foot tall. <laughs> well, yeah. He's only covering like 18 yards. He's I know, not but going that, that far. that doesn't negate the fact that he looks like he's running fast every time he runs. Like, that man never phones it in. They have to zoom in really far to get him <laughs> in there. <laughs> Shout out to Tom Cruise. I'm sure he's listening to this pod. Well, anyway, um, there's a whole bunch of stupid stuff that happens in this scene. Um, she chases, uh, she chases Croc uh, to the uh, the subway station, and uh, she starts uh, play, basically playing this game of telephone through random citizens of New York City because. Uh, he can't hear her. She's so far away. So she shouts to the one guy. The one guy shouts to another guy. And the guy shouts to Crocodile Dundee. Finally, she says, I love you. And he, like, walks on people's faces to get back to her. Which, first of all, no one in New York City, I don't think anywhere, is going to allow a man to walk on their face, even if they are in love. Anyway, doesn't matter. He gets back. They do a little, a little smoochy smooch. And that's it. I mean, that's the end of the movie. And I'm like... Can I get, I mean, I know, I know according to the, the reviews, I should be standing on my feet and cheering at this point, but I was like, I kind of want something else. Like, it doesn't feel, doesn't feel right to end the movie on this. You know what I'm saying, Trav? Yeah, her change of heart, uh, there's no buildup for that. She kind of, she accepts the marriage proposal and, and she's pressured. She's in front of like her friends and family. I get that that's a tough spot to just oh, deny yeah. someone. So, but she goes home and then she, w- before she goes on the sprint, she pulls up with her dad who says, like, are you sure about this? And she's like, no, but I'll find out. And then she just busts ass on the sprint. Why did you, why did you sound like Scarlet from Gone with the Wind when you said that? <laughs> I am bad at characters. I don't know why you hang out with me. but <laughs> Listen, Australia boy. <laughs> but there was no buildup. It was just like we all saw it coming. We all knew it was going to happen. For like as soon as she s- accepted it, 
at the dinner, we were like, well, we know how the next 20 minutes of this movie is going to end. So I think that's why we're not excited, because we knew what was going to happen. When he's like, I'm going to go for my walkabout. Everybody's like, yeah, well, she's going to stop you in a minute. So Let's good. just wait for it to happen. So it just it just becomes predictable, I think. It's just a predictable romance um, they they were out of jokes at this point. They just needed to. All right, let's tie up the love story. Let's get on out of here. And I think I think it I think it does end in a soft landing. I'm with you. It does. I uh, I will say in a modern romantic comedy, the boyfriend proposing would have probably been earlier in the movie. There would have probably been some. It would have been like three mm. fourths of the way through, and the back half you would have had a lot more back and forth. So I do appreciate that I didn't have to belabor myself through a whole bunch of that jazz uh, in this. And I mean, this is at its core a romantic comedy. I mean, you you know yeah, our yeah. dads. Uh, back in the day, would have never been like, oh, yeah, I like romantic comedies. But you know what? They did. <laughs> they did because they like Crocodile Dundee, didn't they, Trav? You know what? And most Westerns are just romantic action movies. So, I mean, the romance is always there in all in all those things our dads were into. They would just never have admitted to it. But you're right. This was a romantic comedy at heart. I do remember watching the second one. I remember one specific part in the second one where Crocodile Dundee eats some scrambled eggs that fell on the floor and they're gritty. And I think I think it made me laugh a lot. Um, but I remember nothing else about the second one. I don't remember if it's better or worse or anything. I just remember the part about the eggs. You know, there's a third one, right? Did you know there was a third one? Uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, Crocodile Dundee, uh, uh, strikes back. What is it? <laughs> it's uh, Crocodile Dundee scared stupid. That's what it is. No, it's, uh, it's goes the one jail. where he goes That'd to jail amazing. with Ernest. Uh-huh. No, listen, it is, he goes to LA. It's Crocodile Dundee, uh, Crocodile oh, Dundee yeah. in Los Angeles. And I think I did see that actually. It's, it's, I mean, like, I like all of these movies, to be perfectly honest with you. And I don't know if it's just because I saw this first one and have some nostalgia for it, but like, you know, two and three, I like them all. I like them all. And I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Come at me, bro. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're problematic in parts. Oh, for for sure. sure. But I think as long as you acknowledge that, uh, you can have some fun with these. This was definitely a fun movie. I had, I definitely cracked up in a few places. The kangaroo part where he's like behind a dead kangaroo <laughs> shooting with those dudes is one of my favorite things. I don't know how that's not a meme. I don't know how somebody hasn't screen capped the kangaroo shooting part or at least made a gif out of that because that kills me. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. It's a good time. It is, man. I feel like you, you know, it, it is one of those things when you watch older movies, you're like, ah, boy. To our modern sensibilities, man, that's not cool, and it wasn't cool at the time either. But you know, no, I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. It's hard to write off the the whole movie, but there are definitely some really, I don't know, some scenes in it that I didn't love, and I'd like to see. Oh my god, what if we got that? What if we got a Crocodile Dundee remake for twenty twenty three? Wouldn't that be freaking amazing? Uh, who would? I mean, Paul Hogan is eighty-three years old. He <laughs> he actually looks more leathery now than he did. No, before. you've got Hugh Jackman. You've you got do Hugh, Hugh Jackman? Jackman. Australian, handsome, can pull off stubble like nobody's business. Oh my God! Give me Hugh Jackman, Crocodile Dundee, twenty twenty-three. I'm in. Like I'm a hundred percent in on this movie. Man. Why has it not happened yet? I don't want to stand in the way of that. I, 
I'm with you. Let's do it. Who do we write a letter? Could Uncle Doug put this in motion? He has ways of threatening people. He does. He's very, very intimidating. I'll talk to Uncle Doug off the air and see what we can make happen. Well, let me tell you this, bud. On a budget of about uh, $8.8 this film made a little over $328 at the box office worldwide. And was even, you're not going to believe this, was even nominated for Best Screenplay at the Academy Awards. Good day, mate. Jeez Louise. That's right. I mean, Academy Award nominated uh, Crocodile Dundee, man. I mean, who would have thought that those words would ever come out of someone's mouth? But the film was based on the life of the real-life Bushman, Rod Ansel, uh, and he, he led somewhat of a tragic life, and uh, he died in a shootout with the police. It's a totally wild story <laughs> for you true crime Sorry, I fans. I didn't Check mean to laugh, out. but yeah, I, did what, not, I didn't see it coming. I just can't imagine Crocodile Dundee <laughs> in a shootout with the police. I mean, he made he made friends with the police officer in this, I guess. So, you know, you mm. do think of it that way. But, uh, yeah, Rod Ansel, check him out. Uh, his his life story is is just incredible. Um, but uh, this movie did spawn a few sequels. We've talked about uh, Crocodile Dundee 2 and 3. And apparently there's a very, like, meta movie that came out not too long ago with Paul Hogan in it where it's like Finding Crocodile Dundee or something like that. I don't know. I don't know a lot about <laughs> it, so I probably shouldn't have mentioned it. But that's out there as well. Um, there was a knockoff video game, Trav. I know how you love them video games uh, called Bayou Billy. Uh, how about a little Bayou Billy over there? Gross. <laughs> Hard, gross game. <laughs> Not recommended. I remember it being great as a kid, but that's because like my local you know game rental place only had like four games, and one of them was Bayou Billy. So I probably rented that about seven or eight times. Man, I... Mm, ooh, gross. <laughs> well, you know what? None of that uh, captured the heart of the original film, which caused this just global craze for Aussie culture, right? Like, I didn't... Before then, mm-hmm. who knew anything about Australia other than people Where that is actually it? lived in people Australia? Where is it? People would say. Yeah. Yeah. They would say down under, and people would look under the sink and be like, I don't see it down here. Oh, but I also remember like a bit I remember like being a kid and people being real infatuated with Australia, like just a big thing about like which way does the water go when you flush the toilet down there? It's crazy <laughs> down there, man. Was <laughs> koala bears were huge. Like everyone was wanting to talk to koalas and be yeah. koalas and kangaroos and rescuers down under come on man yeah shrimp on the bobby that was a big thing it was, it was like a cheech marin movie steve i mean there's all kinds come on man steve steven steven r Irwin was also a big deal man i uh i saw a meme the other day uh we're getting we're getting really far afield here but you know hey it's our podcast we do what we want uh, that said like if you're ever depressed just think of the way that uh if you were a snake steve Irwin describe you and i was like you know what that makes me feel a little bit better about myself, Trav. Not me. I mean, you Not love snakes. It. No. No. The snakes are the only thing that's worse than Bayou Billy. <laughs> well, I'm going to quote you that on the uh, on the uh, rebooted uh, remake of Bayou Billy. Um, well, anyway, now this film is still holds 88% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is like mind-blowing considering That's how crazy. many movies that are really actually pretty good have terrible ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> uh, 88% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, and it spawned a character 
in Dundee, that is, in the opinion of this podcast, and I'm speaking for you and I officially, at least as recognizable as Ronald McDonald. Truly, like, if they had a park bench that had a statue of Crocodile Dundee sitting on it, I would rather sit on that park bench than the one with Ronald McDonald's <laughs> sitting on it. Uh, if that tells amazing. you anything. So one thing that we want to add to season two of Uncle Doug's DVD, Ben, is we want to bring you into the DVD ceremony. So we are going to pull out the next movie. Now we're not we're, we're not we're not one of those podcasts that holds your hand. All right, we're not going to just tell you what the next movie is. We're going to give you clues about what the next movie is. But we do want you to know and be able to maybe check it out before we do the next episode. So so folks like our boy Viar45 can, you know, he's out over there in what was it Germany? I mean that I mean that's really yeah. far away. So for him to be able to get the movies in and check them out before the next episode, we want to make sure we give people time. So we're going to we're going to start doing the ceremony at the end of the episode for the next movie. But again, we're not going to tell you what it is because we're saucy minxes. We're going to saucy give you, minxes. Oh yeah, baby. We're just going to give you clues about what it is. All right, Trav. Have you got the candles lit over there? I've got the candles lit. Uh, Doug is standing here. He's wearing his accoutrement, and oh, he said, "Oh wait, he I got to crack open my just... co- uh, my uh, my uh, my can of Steel Reserve." Hold on, just a second. All right, we're good now. <laughs> he is. He's confused that you said can. Um, okay. So we have the bin here. He's in, and he's just presiding over it. He's not touching. I'm reaching into the bin right now. I'm reaching ooh, in. I feel like I should do like a. Okay. I'm, ooh, that one's. Ow. Um, I'm actually. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go a little bit deeper than where I'm at. I'm gonna. Okay. I feel one that. Okay. This oh. one's actually not sticky. Mm-hmm. This one's not sticky. I'm gonna pull this one out. <laughs> Always get the not sticky one. Got the not sticky one. And uh, oh wow, Kev. What you got, man? Ooh. Oh wait, 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 wait. You can't tell people. You gotta just give people. them a clue, right? Just a clue, oh, a little tidbit. Man, well, uh, you can see it. You see what it is. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I think I think my clue it would be like, uh, ooh. <laughs> How's that? Was that? Is that a clue? I think, I think you need more than that, dude. I think you need just a smidge more. Come on. Um. Hey, Kev, have you um? Have you ever dabbled with uh, clay? I can see where you're going. I can see where you're going. Give me a little more. Come on, man. Juice it up, baby. Give me just a, just a little bit more. Have you ever reached around someone else dabbling with clay? Oof. Oof. That was good. I think you nailed it. That makes me say, whoopee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, this was going to be pretty exciting. I, man, we just, uh, we, 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 are a, we are a type of podcast, aren't we? <laughs> That's all you got. We're a type of podcast. I like it. I like it, man. Well, I think okay. We've pulled out the the DVD for the next uh, next episode. We've given the clue. We've done. We've done what we can. All right. I think. I think. I think our friends out there are going to be able to figure it out. I think they got it. Well, folks, uh, I th- I guess that's going to wrap it up. That's going to wrap it up. We pulled out the next movie. We just you just got done deed. You just got crocodile done deed. Not alligator done deed. You got crocodile done deed. And if you like what just happened. 
you might like our other shows. For more of me, you can head on over to the polymedianetwork.com website. Check out all the other podcasts we have over there. And if you like Kevin, seek out the podcast Blue Peg, Pink Peg. That's for all the board gamers out there. And if you think, gee, I hope these guys keep making a podcast, well, hop on over to the Patreon, toss a few bucks in there, keep the old home fires lit. We'll appreciate it. And we want to thank our pal Harvest Black for our theme song. And you know what? Just like our Uncle Doug always says, That's not a knife. This is a knife. <laughs> 